Refreshment Committee. I am your host, Sexy, Sexy Dory Peacock. And with me today, as always, is the steadfast Tim soldier, Timothy Morris. Yep. Yep. I started coding school this week, and I have a brilliant idea for a new startup, which is it's Tinder. Um, but instead of matching you with human, uh, potential human mates, it matches you with places around your city you can go to cry. <laughs> That is, uh, Nooks and crannies in which to weep. That is very sad. <laughs> um, so, so incredibly sad. Almost as sad as I got when Tim was talking about literally hacking a computer apart. Uh, something about that just touched my robot heart, I guess. My robot heart? When, when I, did you get a robot heart? It, it was a bad plan. I'm regretting it now, but um, happened over Thanksgiving, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, Thanksgiving was awesome. I told you, you, you never need the money that much. I had a lot of fun on Thanksgiving. Me too. I got to see like a bunch of my family. My sister I never get to see was there. I saw a movie about a kid with Treacher's Collins syndrome with my younger sibling. Oh, was that good? Did that turn out good? That was turned out. That did turn out good. Oh, good. Uh, it's by the guy that did Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, it was a book, huh? Yeah, and so... Yeah, I've seen the cover of that on Audible. And so the guy that directed and wrote the book and did the movie of Perks of Being a Wallflower did that movie, Wonder. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's got, like, a good sense about teenager stuff. That's pretty cool. Like, a lot of the... Without going too much into it, like, the plots with the teenagers are really nice and, and kind of complete in a way that feels really, really kind of real to the experience of being young and kind of open, but without all the raunchy stuff that teenagers actually experience that is not appropriate for families. So it's the teen stuff's good and the middle school stuff's good. It's all good. It's not great. It's good. It's but good. it's good. That's good. Although it I, is... Uh, I wound up watching The Circle with my family. What? Yeah. Oh, and I'm sorry. My sister was mad at me at first because my dad's like, we're like, Dad, what did you rent? He's like, we got Wonder Woman and The Circle. And I was like, oh, a circle. I hear that's real dumb. And my sister was like, how come you can't just let us watch a thing? And then did she watch it? How come you have to like, review it first? And I was like, sorry, I just what I heard. And we watched it, and it was so dumb. And then she just to be like, yeah, that was dumb. Yeah, I was, yeah. The whole time I was like, well, I was being a jerk because I was like, wait, why is she doing that? Wait, how did that become a thing? That's unmotivated. And then, like, after a few of those, my sister was then doing it with me. And we just picked <laughs> this whole thing apart, and it got over. And we were both like, what is the point of that? Why did that movie happen? Like, ah, how do you make Tom Hanks, like, not likable? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. It was really frustrating. I saw that. That was silly and bad. It was so bad. Um, almost, almost good bad, but didn't quite make it. I saw Lady Bird. Oh, yeah, you said that was Tis good. Tis the season. Gosh, guys, Lady Bird's really good. It's just a shame it's rated R for teen swearing. We might need to cover Lady Bird. We might need to do it. We'll drive by it. We might need to. We might need to. With a machete and I machine really gun. Want, With really a machete machine gun. That's a machine gun that shoots machetes. Oh, that's... Ooh, that sounds deadly. Um, <laughs> hey, did you uh, have any news for us, Tim? Oh, a couple stuff happened. Uh, Runaways came out for real this time. The real one, yes. <laughs> Unlike the one that we tried to watch that wasn't real. Yes. We haven't watched it yet. We're... We have partition time to see it with our, yes. our bring That's our friends and loved ones close, and it's definitely something we're gonna do. Enjoy some wonderful. I am really looking forward to it. They're all so cute. All those runaways. They are cute and very ethnically diverse and, and quirky and fun. And we didn't talk about this last time we did a podcast, but there's one of them, and she, uh, her superpower is just she reached through time and space and pulled out a dinosaur, <gasps> which she promptly named uh, Old Lace. And her superhero name is a turn the dinosaur, and they're named Arsenic and Old Lace. Oh, I love that so much. 
much. I love it. It's oh, so I love good. It so much. It's so cute. I love when theater nerds make comics. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> it's uh yeah. Ka. That was our scat break. Did you guys enjoy that? New segment? <laughs> scat, scat break with Tim and Dory. You're making me feel inferiority about my... About your scatting abilities? Yes. Uh, I don't know. You don't really know. It's not really words. You just go... I know, but you're just going for it in a way that I don't know if I can. There's Here's here's what'll get you started. There's a comedian here in town, really funny guy, really great improviser called Bob Bador. And I, I just always think of his name when I'm scatting, like, Babador, 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 Babador. He has a podcast, too. It's called something. Uh, probably if you Google Quickwits podcast, you can find it. Probably. Improv Troop Quickwits does a podcast. I should shout that out if I'm going to make fun of his name. <laughs> anyway, Thank you, Bob. Do you have any other newses? Um, a trailer came out for a adaptation of a YA book, as those are in now. Uh, we're in a weird place, because, like... YA is more John Greeny than it was prior. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Uh, it's no longer... Uh, Thank you, Odin. <laughs> no longer it's Convergence everywhere. It's uh, yeah. It's John Green style book. So it's a book uh, based on a book called Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda, which I heard is a good book. Wait, but it's not by John Green. No. It's just oh. John Green. It's more John... like. It's, it's more like John Green in that it's just a book about actual teenagers than it is about teenagers and the sexy vampire apocalypse. It's like plain realism. Yeah. Um, and this is about Simon, who is a teenager who is... Uh, Who's gay times? Who is a gay times, and it's his coming out story. Um, and it is the first teen gay movie released by a major Hollywood studio that's not Fox Searchlight. It is the full 20th Century Fox yeah, so Fox Searchlight, like their indie brand? Yeah, so like gotcha. that's, they'll like pick stuff up under Sundance and then release it under that distribution, but not made in-house the way that something big like this is with like a budget and like actors and stuff. So that's coming out in March, so that's happening. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. And the ha- Homo Sapien Agenda? That's cool. And the, the movie's called Love, Simon, because these things have to fit into hashtags, even though now uh, hashtags yeah. can have so many more characters. Oh, yeah. Isn't that a the oh the thing about the kid who writes this, the note? I don't know. I'll bring that up next time. Is that are you um, talking about Dear Evan Hansen? Yes. Is that becoming a movie? Is that getting a? Oh no, it's a musical. That's a musical it's that a has musical. not been announced to be a movie yet, but oh, in okay. our lifetime probably. Yeah, in this world of your La La Lands and your last five years is and your thirteen reasons wises. Well, I'm, I was listing musicals, but yes. Well, I mean, it, it is the convergence of those two. Yes. Teenage suicide. Don't do it. Teenage suicide. Don't you do it? <laughs> um, no, and we mean that literally. Please don't do it. Um, anyway. Uh, we watched a very special movie. Oh yeah, this episode. It's it's a Christmas miracle. It's a Christmas miracle. It kind of is one because like we were talking about doing a Christmas episode because this is the first time we've since the rebrand we've come around to the Christmas season and yeah. Dory was like, okay, so we got to think about some YA stuff if we can that's Christmas themed and I'm like, I can't think of anything and I like really racked my brain and there aren't really any young adult. Christmas specials. Not, not very many. And I came across... And there wasn't any. And then... And then I and then, I was on Facebook and uh-huh. I came across um, a post by my friend Emma Thomas who does Ugly Duckling cosplay. You should go like her page. She does some really great cosplays. Um, she had watched it. 
and had given it kind of a little review in her Facebook post. And I was like, oh, we got to jump on that. And I heard so about special it. thanks to Emma. Yeah, I heard about it from Jenny Nicholson, a uh, very <gasps> funny lady of YouTube. Uh, Wait, who, did you hear about it before I told you about it? Yeah, just barely. I, just, <gasps> I saw her tweeting about it, too. Jenny Nicholson, who does uh, for Screen Junkies, the Millennial, Falcon? the Millennial Falcon show, which is where she berates people and talks about Star Wars. Um, and she she tweeted about it. And it's it, it seemed really funny. So it's a, it's a weird it's a weird idea. It's two it's two genres. It's like five smashed into in, in, into each other, like those old commercials where they would have the cheese and the cracker smash into each other. Except here, it's Christmas and a prince. Christmas and a prince. Dory, tell me about the Christmas prince. The tell Christmas me about it. Prince is the tale of Amber Moore, played by the zombie from iZombie. Yes, but What's she's a human real, in this version. What's her real name? Uh, zombie McZomberton? Yeah. Zombie, zombie Zomberfeld. So Zombie Zomberfeld is a journalist from New York named Amber Moore, who is a regular human and not at all a creature of the night. Rose MacGyver. Rose MacGyver. Mick Iver. Mick Iver. Rose MacGyver. <laughs> zombie, I like Zombie Zomberfeld. Rose MacGyver. <laughs> Rose McZombiefeld. Zomberfeld. <laughs> zombie Zomberfeld is a journalist, an aspiring journalist. She's been stuck behind the editing desk for years at her... It's like the bad editing desk. Her newspaper slash Where website. you have to rewrite articles for listicles with no credit. Yeah. Because the big writers are... Douchebags. Yeah. So she's sick of her job and she finally gets her big break to go to the small European country of Aldovia. Aldovia. Because what do you do when you want to make up a European country? You add Ovia to the end of some word. Oh. So Aldovia, which is clearly next to Genovia... And probably next to Moldova, which is a real country, but who cares? Sounds like a... Was there a weird Ovia in The Chemist? Uh, the one I was reading? Yeah. No, I... Well, I didn't get far enough in to find out, but no, probably not. So, the Prince of Aldovia is a famous international playboy, jet-setter type dude. And rumor is, he doesn't want to assume the throne. His father died a year ago, around Christmas time. And they have an interregnum, a period where they don't have, like, where they're between kings. And the rumor is he doesn't want to come back and have, like, the responsibility of being king. And everybody is wondering why, and everybody wants an interview with him. So Zombie Zomberfeld gets assigned to go write about the, the prince. They send her because she's the only one that they can send who has any talent, but also is they, they can, like, send her to work on Christmas because... She, yeah. This ignoregnum ends like Christmas Eve. Yes. And if something happens, they want to have someone to write a piece about it who's in the country. Yes. And she is able to work on Christmas because her only parent is her dad, who is some kind of old Sicilian doing an impression of a, a Mexican person. Um, at least that's what the dialect coach would have you believe. And... He runs a little diner in Soundstage, New York. Oh, yes. That's where she lives, is Soundstage, New York. And talks only in platitudes, like, follow your heart, and failure plants the seed for success. I think he transplanted from New York, uh, or to New York from the town in Christmas Shoes movie. Something, something like that. Did you know there's a Christmas Shoes movie? I did know there's a Christmas Shoes movie, and I know that town would never have admitted a person who sounded like an Italian impersonating George Lopez. Here's, here's my bad tangent. If there's a Christmas shoes movie, where's my movie for its raining men? <laughs> you know what? You there's and I, justice in the world. <laughs> you and I will pitch that. There can you be. You and I will pitch. There's a movie for Christmas shoes. Why isn't there a movie based on the song "It's Raining Men"? Huh? 
you know what? You and me will pitch that. We will get together. We'll put we'll put the kettle on, and we'll come up with a pitch for the movie of It's Raining Men. Oh, I have so much. Okay, it's gonna be great. Okay, so. She goes over to the European country. She's getting out of the airport, and a gross man with a beard steals her cab. Mm. She gets to the castle, which I think is in Leavenworth, Washington, from the look <laughs> of it. Um, it's like this cute Bavarian piece of cake. Anyway, she basically gets, it's cake. It's it, a cake castle. It, it's a cake castle. So she gets into the gingerbread castle into a press conference where all of the all of the other press people are weirdly enthusiastic about this press conference. Like everything the the press minister says, they're like, oh, yeah, like way too enthusiastic. Oh, we'll get to that. I, I think I know why it's enthusiastic. Oh yes. Okay. In our analysis, in our analysis, we're co- we'll cover that. So, um. The pre- the press minister turns all the press away and says, you're not going to get an interview with the prince. We're not having a press conference. Go home. But instead of going home, she sneakles into the palace where she is mistaken for the tutor of the young princess. Becomes the princess's tutor. Becomes the princess's tutor. The princess has spina bifida. She is that most, most sympathetic of Moppets, the disabled child. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> the first thing we find oh, out... Man. The first thing we find out about the prince is that he loves children, especially our our adorable disabled Muppet child. Yeah. So she becomes a princess's tutor and slowly gets to know the prince. Turns out he's not an international playboy. He's a loving dude who loves kids and plays with kids instead of going to a benefit and, like, goes tobogganing with them and rides a horse and has a bow and arrow, which our heroine misfires into the castle, hitting a horse painting in the patoot. (laughs) (laughs) When you say it out loud, this is the thing. It sounds cute, right? It's all when you say it out loud. What does it sound like? So yeah, long story short. Long story short, she starts to fall in love with the prince, and he almost turns, doesn't get coronated. He almost doesn't get coronated. Then he then does he get does. coronated, and they live happily ever after. Um, there's oh. also there's also sort of a music manish twist where the the precocious disabled Moppet finds out that she's actually a journalist and is like, I won't rat you out if you tell the truth of who my brother is. And also, I like you. Let's go make cookies. Oh. She's the most adorable extortionist. Where do we begin with the Christmas Prince? Where do, you, where do we begin, Jimothy? Do we begin with We the, begin at the beginning. Do we begin with the horrible dialect coaching? <laughs> do we begin with, like, the boss that sounds like a European trying really hard to maintain an, a New York accent? I want to begin with the fact that this opens with an off-brand version of Rock Around the Christmas Tree. No. <gasps> Yeah, it's like a different song by that same lady that was easier to license. Yeah, it's it's the same song. It's just it's it's legally distinct. Yeah, you know what? I like. I kind of wondered when I was listening to that if that lady that wrote "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree" was it Loretta Lynn? I don't know. It might have been Loretta Lynn. Uh, that lady that sang "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree." I wonder if she tried to like write a follow up to it that was like pretty similar. Or if they really did Like when the guy that did Monster Mash did the monster rap? Yeah. Have you heard the monster rap? I have not. I'm going to make you do that next year. You should totally make me do that. So, I I don't know. I wondered if that was like her follow-up that just didn't do as well, or if they really did just like get somebody to do a legally distinct version. (laughs) It's... 
you get the feeling that one reason why they made this is it's like all this Christmas stuff is like free. Deck the Halls is free. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot although, of Christmas music is free. I didn't although, think of that. Although she's uh, she has to go to Aldovia, which I assume is partly so they can use the castle cake, the cake castle, the cake castle, and then later all the establishing shots are like a, an adorable miniature of the castle. <laughs> but a part of me wonders, like, did they not get the rights to Britain? Can they um, not afford the rights to Britain? To the country of Britain? <laughs> to the whole country? I don't know. It's supposedly, it's like not a very expensive place to film. I don't know. I guess I guess Buckingham Palace did not want to be associated with the Christmas Prince, which is weird because that's more believable. I don't, I think it was just easier. We live in, a, we live in the day of princess whatever and prince normal guy. Well, yeah. The hot one got married. Did you see that? The hot one got married. Because there's the one that everyone... The, there's the royal one, but then there's the, his brother, who's the hot one, who's... No, the, his, his cousin. Is he? He doesn't have a brother. He has a cousin. How do you... You know this because you are... Because I watched the movie, Tim. No, I'm talking about in real life. What? In real life, there's Prince... Uh, oh, no. I think in the movie. No. Yes, it's his brother. Yeah, sorry. I'm like... You, you segued too fluidly. For me to follow. Is it Kate that he married? Yes. Prince William married Kate. Yes. Kate Middleton. And now Prince Harry is marrying a lady whose name I can't remember. And Harry's the hot one. Kind of. Yeah. Pretty so much. this happens in, in real like, life. Like by human standards, not so much. But next to his brother, yes. The prince and me, the prince and me jumped it by a couple years, but it does happen in real life. Well, yeah, because you can't actually marry within the royal line anymore because they're just so inbred. Yeah. Like, well, a lot of those royal lines were inbred like... 400 years ago, they started having problems. You know, a lot of people are like, I'm secretly like descended from like some prince or queen. And sometimes I wonder if that's why I feel so crazy and sad all the time. Because <laughs> you're a Habsburg? Yes. Yeah, so like, you're a sneaker Habsburg? There's enough, there's enough like removal from it that I'm not like horribly deformed, but just enough that I'm like mentally ill. Oh, maybe. I'm, I'm a descendant of uh, King John of England. Yeah. And, uh, and the king that killed William Wallace. Maybe they passed... Edward, Edward Longshanks. Maybe they passed down their royal madness. Possibly. And we are just heirs to to just sitting and gently rocking in the dark. Do you think that's why we do this? <laughs> Is that why we have a podcast? Do you think that's what happened to us to lead us to this point? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it got real existential. Okay, so here's the thing that I have been thinking about this whole time. This is a Netflix original. Yes. But it's very much in the style of those Hallmark Christmas movies that are churned out for a dime. And those look super cheapy and fake and they use legal knockoffs of songs and all the stuff we've been talking about because it's a network and they don't have the budget of a movie. But this, backed by Netflix, could have had like the budget of a movie. So is this cheapy, weird style... Part of like a cynical trend to be like, we don't really have to try. People will still like it. Or is it like, or is this now like a genre? Is this now like a style yeah. that people imitate? It's like, it, it, it's not unreminiscent of uh, Neo Yokio if you saw that. Um, I guess, yeah. Uh, in, in how cynical and weird it is. Let me. T- but I feel like Neo, Neo Yokio is a little tongue in cheek. It is. Can I speak to a little bit about Netflix and how their property Acquisition works. Sure. Sometimes Netflix uh, will produce things, or, or rather, Netflix will upfront be like, "Hey, if you want to make this, we'll distribute it." But Netflix's primary position is as a distributor. Gotcha. So, so a lot of what Netflix will order original stuff, but just as often they'll find stuff that is 
in production or has already been produced and they'll buy it up. That's what happened to Neo Yokio. Neo Yokio was. And then they'll put it as a Netflix original. Yeah. So Neo Yokio was pretty much in production and then Netflix, and then it was in the bin and Netflix said, hey, we can put not too much money on this to save it and pull it out. So I don't know what stage with Christmas Prince was happened. I did a little research on the production company and it's the group that did like Pumpkinhead. (laughs) Pumpkinhead. Mm-hmm. They they did a they do they're they're the studio behind Dumb and Dumber. Oh, they did Christmas Prince or they did Neo Yokio. No, uh, no, no, and Christmas Prince is studio. Huh. So yeah. if you look, they have a lot of. They're not like Sharknado levels of cheap. They're not like sci-fi yeah. movies, but they have a lot of really kind of cheap-looking, quick, quick on the draw sort of things that happen. And this was written by the guy that's going to write Pumpkinhead Four. Yeah. So make of that. So here's what my guess is, is how this was made on some level mm-hmm. is Netflix. I don't know how involved they were as producers, their guys, their girls. But my guess is on some level, either via Netflix's data or someone else's data, they kind of knew what buttons they were going to press. Because that's the thing that Netflix does really, really well is it knows how to meet in between a bunch of different genres. I mean, you get cool stuff like Anne with an E, but that was like made by a Canadian television group. Yeah. And stuff is straight to Netflix. It often is like, we know that moms and teenage girls and gays and (laughs) Mormons... All, all like, like the same all stuff. Like this, all like these elements in their movies because we know the algorithm spits that out. And that's really what Christmas Prince feels like to me. Is it like feels it was like written by, yeah. it was, it's, it's like it's written by a computer. Yeah. It's so weird. It's so weird. It, it does feel like that. Like it, in a way it feels like so little effort, but there are things about it that make it a little different within its genre. I thought having like, kind of a, a Music Man style twist where the kid is like, I know what you are, but I'm not going to out you. It just was, feels... Was better than just having her like, you know, betray everyone in this way. Yeah. Or having her like withhold certain information, trying not to hurt him is like, there were interesting twists and turns to it that I felt kind of made it stand out, but it all, it does feel like very formulaic and very low effort. But it's goofy and dumb enough. It's that, like, so dumb that like I find that lack, even that lack of effort, sort of endearing. Did, like we watched a little bit of this together, and like tell them Dory how often I was like, "This is dumb." I know he, he at one point he yelled, "This is dumb," and I was like, "Tim, I have neighbors." <laughs> it's so dumb because there's so many parts of it that are like really dumb, and there's things that I I I, I am generally forgiving of movies because a lot of things. Cannot be realistic for the sake of yeah, perching stories. You've defended stuff to me that I'm like, yeah. yeah. You know what? The eagles at the end of Lord of the Rings, those are just fine. It makes sense. Yeah, I'm cool with Sometimes that. Deus Ex Machina works when it needs to be sort of a divine they're, heavenly they're grace. Dis- they're a distinct civilization, not a tool. Yeah. So let's start with like her job is strange and dumb, but okay, I guess. Her job is, is fine. The part that I take more exception to is all the weird like... Like this European country where we assume there's some kind of legality in place. There's also no regional accent in Aldovia. No regional. Everybody's British in this tiny European country. We'll we'll circle back to that. Anyway, all the weird legalities where like, 
we sense that there's some kind of tradition and some kind of constitution to this country, mm. but then the king can also like just publish a decree and it's cool. Right. It's like, so strange. Like there's a hint at the end that this might be like a totalitarian <laughs> government. Get <laughs> like, out while you can. But that's also part of like, okay, Tim, there are so many points in this movie where I almost wanted it to like turn into a horror film or like a flowers in the attic style thriller. Oh man. Like that would be awesome. Like, like, there's one part like where... Like, it goes Jane Eyre on everyone? Oh, worse than Jane Eyre. This is what I was thinking. I was thinking, like... So, there's a part where um, when she gets mistaken for the tutor, the major domo lady is like, oh, this princess is so hard to deal with. And they're going for, like, a thing where, like, because she's disabled, she has a hard time relating to people because they treat her a certain way and she kind of resents it. They don't get there. They don't get there emotionally. But They don't get anywhere. No. But they don't get there, especially. They don't get there, especially. Like, she meets the kid, and the kid warms up to her, like, Because that's, like, right the away. first way too fast. Yeah, yeah. But um, when she first meets the kid, she pulls out her chair, and the kid has put a mouse on her chair. Oh. And it's just sitting there. It's not, like, biting anyone. And I kind of wanted her to pick the mouse up and, like, throw it against the wall. <laughs> and be like, that's what I do with vermin. <laughs> and then have it become, like, a weird like a weird thriller where her and the kid are trying to, like, out-psycho each other. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be awesome. That, that's something I expected. And then, like... And in the background, everything else is the same. It's still just the Christmas prince. Yeah, yeah. And there's a part with a royal decree at the end where the decree is just nonsense and it alters the law in a way that's really convenient to the plot. And I kind of wanted her to suddenly realize she's in a dystopia <laughs> and be like, oh, shit. <laughs> she knows nothing about this place before she goes there. No. What I think what really bothers me is the first thing is that so she goes to this press conference. Yeah. And then immediately she's like, well, I'm going to get the scoop. And so she sneaks into the the... The castle. So first mm-hmm. of all, there's no security in this country. This this country has no allies and no enemies. No. Because people can just sneak around the castle and there's no security. Yeah. This is poor. They're bankrupt. Yeah. Really, there's a there's a there's a financial crisis that no one's talking about. Yeah, that's the other part of this that could like secretly be a horror thriller. <laughs> so she sneaks in, and it's one of those contrivances where. Uh, this, this, she walks up to someone and they're like, you're, and she's like, cool. And they're like, you're the new tutor, aren't you? And she's like, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yep. No security checks. They just believe her on her word that she's this tutor that they assume she is and just let her go to town. Yeah. Don't ask for an ID or anything. She gets outed by someone finding her passport. And I'm like, this seems like too little too late. <laughs> well, first she gets found out by the girl because while she goes to the bathroom off screen, the girl just hacks into her computer because she not, doesn't use a password. Yeah, not even hacks. She just like looks at, looks at her computer. Um, there was something else that was funny. About, oh, yeah. She calls her boss from inside the castle after she has snuck in without permission, posed as a tutor. She calls her boss and she's like, hey, listen, I'm in, but I had to lie to get here. And the boss is like, who cares? And I'm like, really, journalist? Ethics schmethics? Is that where we're at? (laughs) You don't care if your paper gets, like, sued for this? You're so... uh... But yeah, so... This would only happen today, where people don't care about the ethics in journalism. There's, like, there's not enough, like, unethical journalists to play the bad guy that we see this, and I think people are like, ew, gross. I think people get in there like... Well, also because everything's so framed as, like, she's so down to earth. She's so normal. 
she's cool. We like her. But but that's a problem with a lot of journalism movies is people violating the journalistic code of ethics. And a lot of journalists are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Most of us do not do that. That yeah. is the exception. It is bad and should not be framed as Our correct. friend journalist roommate, I want to see her watch this and see if she has like a conniption when this happens. <laughs> I know. I know. Good, good old Jenny. Um, so you were going to tell us, we were talking about how like, all of every time there's a crowd in a scene in this movie, oh right, they're very enthusiastic and very united. Well, here's my thing that I think is going on is that it's so cheap that they have all these extras, but but they had to ADR it. They had to ADR it because, as you know, because you've worked in television and in film I, I was here in, and there. I was in one short film, once and twice. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of union stuff makes it so that uh, if you have a line, you have to get paid more. Um, so I, what my guess is there's a lot of moments where they have a bunch of people standing around like miming like things and kind of like mouthing non words. And then like the ADR is like, so like when he like gets her cab, she turns around to a group of people behind her and she's like, can you believe this guy? And they're like, I know. Right. But everything's like very disembodied. I know. Well, I get the ADR part. I just don't get why when they recorded the ADR, they went so over the top with it. So that every, like every reaction in the press conference, in a normal press conference, it would be like, and in this one's like, what? Oh, 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 I'm so sad. It's as audible as Dory is doing it. Like that is how audible it is. And when something good happens, they're like, yeah, she's right. Listen to the girl. It's, it's, and it's every time there's a crowd. That, what was the other part I was thinking of? Oh, I think when they're like in the star chamber and he's getting coronated, people are like, murmur, murmur, murmur. Oh, <gasps> what? <laughs> it's just like, it's like, I get that it's ADR'd, but why, when they recorded it for the ADR, were they directed like a, like a giant symphony of emotion? I think the movie's overcompensating for the non-emotion that is in it. Yeah. And the lack of, the lack of chemistry between our our lead zombie Zomberfeld and her prince skinny Mike Berbiglia. <laughs> That's he's, what he looks like. He looks like he's a like, skinny Mike Berbiglia. He has a face like an elf in the Hobbit movies. Not the Lord of the Rings movies, the Hobbit movies. I can see that face turning to a dwarf and saying something really racist. Yeah. Against dwarves. Yeah. Like like they do. Or being forced to play a dwarf even though he's like six five. Oh yeah, the other thing. Oh my gosh. So I was watching this movie and I kept thinking, the queen looks so familiar. Why does that queen actress look so familiar? And then I looked up her name and I was like, her name sounds familiar. And I clicked on her IMDb page and she's the Borg queen. She's, what? She's the Borg queen. Oh, wow. You don't have to act surprised. I know you already knew this. I knew that she was from Star Trek. I didn't know that's who she was. Oh, you didn't know that? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I was giving Tim shit before we started because he looked up her and I was like, no, 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 I'm going to surprise you with this on the air. And he's like, oh, I already looked. But yeah, she's the freaking Borg queen. Well, when you told me I saw the Wikipedia page and I caught Star Trek in the bio header and then I jumped away before I saw anything else. I saw those words and nothing else. Yeah, she's from from First Contact and also um, also my favorite, Voyager. And so that's why when we finished watching the movie... The next suggestion was Star Trek Voyager. Because oh, that's Alice why. Krieg is the Borg Queen. I asked you that and you were just like, hmm, I don't know. You didn't ask me if she was the Borg Queen. I asked you why it was Voyager. Oh, I did ask you that. Yeah, because I was trying to preserve the surprise. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so then like the rest of the movie, every time she talks, every time she says something, I'm like, resistance is futile. Resistance is futile. <laughs> 
Like at the end, they're like, why should we listen? Why should we listen to this journalist lady? And the queen's like, because I believe her. And I wanted her be, to be like, because resistance is futile. <laughs> Man. Uh, She's I miss Borg queen. I miss Julie Andrews. I miss her too. She would have been a way good Borg queen. Can we talk about... She would have. No, she would have been, like, adorable as a board queen. She would have been like, you see, Captain Picard, she's like distance is futile. She's the choice for, like, your, like, sinister AI that, like, isn't in the guise of a friendly companion woman. Maybe. It's like a trope. But I think she'd just wind up, like, baking cookies or singing. Probably. Can we talk about how this movie is kind of a weird pastiche of other other movies? Yeah, they're kind of Prince movies are kind of a big genre, aren't they? Well, kind of. This this has vibes of the Prince in me. Oh, definitely. definitely. Yeah, which was a little movie that no one saw, but somehow resonates today because it happened for real. But also, Princess Bride, not Princess Bride, Princess Diaries, a little bit. There is some Princess Diaries in there, which is funny because we were talking about Aldovia and Princess Bride Diaries. I always make that mistake. Has its own fake country called Genovia. Yes. And and so like when I was watching this and it was like Aldovia, I like texted you and I was like, is that next to Genovia? I was like, I think it is. I think they are like offshoots of each other. Like how the Czech Republic and Slovakia were one thing for a while and then broke off again. In like Princess Diaries, Julie Andrews is the queen. And it makes more sense because like when Julie Andrews talks... You pretty much assume because she's so regal that she can do a perfect accent in whatever dialect she chooses. So she speaks perfect posh English because she does naturally. But you assume she could do perfect Spanish or French in a moment if she wanted oh, to. Oh, she cannot. Um, but you assume she could in the movie. Right, right, right. right. Um, and then the weird thing is like Genovia gets away with never having a regional accent because Princess Diaries takes place in San Francisco. This takes place in Aldovia and the regional accent is just British. Everyone is British. There's not even like a Swedish or Kurdish oh, yeah. or no and, or Slavic anything. Well, that's the other thing. Like we're gonna we're gonna get so hung up on the dialect work in this thing because it is all over the place. Like Alice Krieg herself, the board queen, is British. I think that guy is British. The little the little moppet's British. The little moppet is probably British. There are some parts of her accent that I was like, hmm, too good, child. <laughs> but but that's the thing. At least with Genovia, like. You get that Julie Andrews is British because she probably, like, learned English in Britain. She may have even gone to school there as a kid. Right. But then when you meet some of the other royals, they have, like, a they have like a vague German-Eastern European thing going on. And so they do try a little bit to give Genovia, like, some kind Aldovia? of... Aldovia? No, in, in The Princess Diaries. Oh, right, I mean, right, right, right. In The Princess Diaries, at least, they try to give some dialect to, like, the other people. And then the queen is, like... Okay, she's an aristocrat. In this, yeah, everybody. The queen, the kid, the prince, like the prime min- the press minister, the guy who's like the prime minister of the star chamber or whatever. I keep calling it the star chamber. I think it's just their legislature. Yeah. It's it's very tiny. It's 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 Europe through the lens of an American who has never been to Europe. It's so wish fulfilling. That's the thing is this movie is so like Peace and peace wish fulfillment. Yeah. I think that's one reason why it keeps hitting the notes of other movies. It's like there's a little bit of Sound of Music in there because she's the tutor to the Moppet. And there's a little bit of Princess Diaries. And there's a little bit of like, I don't know what else. Oh, yeah. The Princess Diaries in that she kind of gets a makeover but comes out looking like pretty much as good as she always did. (laughs) She's put on eyeshadow. She's put on eyeshadow and a fancy dress. 
And she has her converse on under her fancy dress. So she's <laughs> still herself. Just a New York girl at heart. Uh, that's the other thing is like, can we talk about wh- what is even Amber? I can't even remember her name. It's so generic. Mm-hmm. Zombie Zomberfeld. Zombie Zomberfeld. Who is... She's a, she's a Jewish zombie. You know, th- that's the thing I was thinking about when I was watching this. Jewish zombies? Jewish zombies, yeah. No, Jerusalem, I thinking about how, like... Which is also a movie on Netflix. Sorry. You know how we... As always, everything comes back to mother of all. <laughs> Twilight. <laughs> Twilligit. Twilligit. And you know, Twilight is... Even if you don't agree with us, dear reader, about Twilight <laughs> and kind of our complicated feelings about yeah. it. You have to admit, even if you don't like Twilight, Twilight is original. You know, Edward's sparkling countenance saying, this is the face of a killer, Bella, is ridiculous. It is empirically ridiculous, but it is an original idea. No one has done that before. Yeah. This is all copy-paste. It's very recycled. This is very cliche. Like, thing after thing happens, and it's all cliches designed to be very wish-fulfilling. So, like, oh, we're in Britain now, and oh, now we're in the favor of the princess and the royals. And oh, she literally gets attacked by a wolf and gets saved by the prince out in the forest after dark. That happens. That, <laughs> that and, is a thing that And occurs. all in the service of <laughs> this girl who's so, like targeted to be like normal woman. She's like Meg Ryan without the neuroses. Well, it's like, I I have to agree with you. So copy paste, so written by a computer, such low effort. Like she's but somehow it's endearing anyway. It bothered me a little more than I think it bothered you. Yes. Yes, it did. Cause I, cause I don't have, I don't have any qualms with wish fulfillment or vacation movies. They fulfill like a part of the female psyche that is just as good as all the other parts. Um, I, I don't know what it is about this. It's not that it's self-aware, but it's that it, it is what it is with no pretense, and I think that's why I love it. To me, I feel like there is a pretense kind of in there. Well, but it's not pretending to be to be like some great revelation or say anything great about the genre. It's literally like, it's Christmas and there's a prince. What do you, what do you want? But to <laughs> like, me, it's, it's those things, but more than that, it's, it's like this weird algorithm baby. And the algorithm yeah. baby thing is, I think, the thing that really kicked me. We talked about like... The weird shit going on on YouTube for, I mean, it, for babies. Oh, yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me a little bit of that. Like, for adults, it's like, put a bunch of words into a buzzword. It's kind of like, romantic prince. Christmas. Christmas. Clumsy protagonist. Who knocks over Ming vases. Yeah. Uh, she literally knocks over a Ming vase. But it doesn't apologize for being that, and I think that's why I love it. I feel like it should apologize at least a little bit. I, I don't know. I think if you're going to make mistakes, make loud mistakes. That's what my choir teacher always told me. Yeah. Uh, we're, I, f- we're, I feel far away from like shadow hunters, which makes louder mistakes and is, <laughs> and is equally cynical product, but is like everyone's wearing like overdone pink lipstick. And this is just kind of like a code of blandness with like everything. Yeah. I have one more question. Yes. And, and it really has to be one more because we're almost out of time. Well, here, well here's, the, here's the cherry topper. So we know who this is for, right? This is for young women, and it's kind of a mom's movie. It's yeah. not really a young adult book, but it's based on. It's basically based on a young adult book that doesn't exist. That we haven't written yet. Yeah, <laughs> and it's targeted towards moms in the same way that young adult books are targeted towards moms, even yeah. in adult fiction. Yeah. 
it's not about something that kids would relate to. Twilight is no. at least about like fantasy vampires. This is a boring romantic comedy about a young woman. So is it okay that this is a thing that is definitely for adults, but is so dumb and it has such a, it has such a low reading level given the weird stuff that happens with like how like countries don't work and journalism doesn't work and security doesn't work and constitutions don't work. And that kind of makes me feel weird and upset a little bit. I, I think it is okay. I think it's fine. I think it's fine because this is a very like, I think this is kind of for kids. I think it is kind of for moms and kind of for kids because it is such a simple understanding of how those things work. Because it's so a, like, simple. They kind of they it's kind like of blow, a grade schools. They blow past things like the ethics and the legality to get to an emotional conflict, which is what people are going to zero in on. So yeah, I think it's fine. It's like Disney Channel logic. And kids are going to watch this and go, and then later they're going to be like, "Oh, movies are wrong." Like that's that's what growing up is is finding out that movies lie. So yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I guess I wish that because because there's a version of this that's good in another reality. It's just like far far away. There's and a, not worth going to. There's a good version of everything somewhere. Yeah. Um, but you know what? If, even if I found the good version, I might still watch this one. Because I just... I think I'll I leave you. I think it's interesting. There's a place in my heart for this bullshit. I think it is. If you want to shout at a movie, this is a shoutable movie. Uh, if you want to talk about how weird it is, I, th- I think it will engage you for sure. I think it's it's a one-timer for me. This, but. Is, this is the kind of thing you'll get together with your girlfriends, pull out your nail polish and your Zinfandel, and just laugh at like the terrible wish fulfillment. <laughs> and then secretly in your heart, you'll be like, when will my prince come? Yeah. Because when it comes to movies like this... Resistance is futile. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think that's a fair a fair assessment. <laughs> all right. I think that's all we have time for. You got is that it? That's it. Okay. So thanks everybody for listening. You can find us on Twitter at JDRC Podcast. Podcast. We've changed our Twitter handle. It's now JDRC Podcast. It's easy to find, and you just have to search the Judgment Day Refreshment Committee on Twitter, and oh, there we did, are. Did you get the the, the I in got there? the the we got the the I'm pretty sure I got the, the the Judgment Day Refreshment Committee. You can also find us on Facebook at the Judgment Day Refreshment Committee. You can email us at jdrclove at gmail.com or just message us on Facebook. That's fine too. You can follow me on Twitter at Dory Peacock. You can follow Tim on Twitter at, at CyberMormon. And uh, I'm trying to think if we have anything else to plug. Um, I do know... Just listen to the podcast. You're already listening to more. Just listen to us more. Oh, uh, I do know that my improv troupe uh, since, uh, what you call it, New Year's Eve is on a Sunday this year. Um, our Friday and Saturday shows that weekend are going to be like, I think, kind of a special New Year's eve thing. Ooh. So if the day before New Year's Eve you're looking for something to do, for those of you Mormons that are going to be celebrating on Saturday or whatever, uh, come see Laughingstock, 10 p.m. at the Off-Broadway Theater. It's going to be pretty rad. I'm going to be there. Some other peeps is going to be there. And um, anything else you want to plug, Tim? No. All right. I'm free. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and these are our sign-offs. Ethics schmethics. <laughs> Thanks, and remember, we will not judge you, but we will bring the jello salad to your trial.